I might intro the actual episode and intro you first. I think I'm going to do that instead of doing it in post because it takes too long. Welcome back. Mind Believe Podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. I'm Lawrence Odiase. I'm the host. Obviously, if this is not your first time listening, then hi. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to this pod. If it's your first time, welcome. It's a podcast where we overcome the negative voice, the inner critic that silences all of us, when where it's just you and you, the voice inside your head that doesn't want you to act on the things that you should act in your life. This is where we, you know, overcome that voice. This week's episode, though, just jumping straight in because we have a special episode, a special guest. And I'm excited. Honestly, whenever I can have former Red Raiders, obviously Red Raiders come on the podcast. It's so exciting because there's so much stories and energy and passion behind this young man. That I'm about to introduce. I like to lead up to the introduction, but I'm like, just say his name. Rico Jeffers on the pod. Preach, <laughs> preach. I appreciate you letting me be in here. It's so great to have another Red Raider, somebody that I've admired from afar, from the dreads to the septum ring. I could see creativity, fashion. That was a thing. And this guy <laughs> that radiates the room with this big smile of who he was. But I didn't exactly know who you were personally. And for this podcast, this platform is to showcase the stories, the behind the Jersey stories. And for those that don't know, this is like take a hundred because we had some <laughs> issues, but it's always good to start these conversations with the formative years. Cause I do understand. And I do believe that it helps people get a good grasp of who you are and, and the things that you've went on to become a, a football player and, and somebody to that stature. But that kid back in the day, Back in Garland, the greedy G, we, the people, me, myself, I want to know more about that kid. If you were to take me back, what was that kid like? Um, Shoot. For me, it was, so I come from a split household. So I kind of, you know, grew up, you know, kind of a little bit everywhere. We always kind of moved around a little bit, but um, shoot, you know, just, I was a younger brother at the time. I was really the baby, if we're going to be honest, because I got, I got an older brother and his name is Andre Woods and, you know, shoot, he's always been there for me. And, you know, he kind of helped me, you know, grow the passion and love for football. Um, you know, watching him play football. I mean, he's not like crazy older than me, bro. He only like three, four years older than me, but, you know, just watching him, you know, run around the house playing football and, you know, watching Sunday football games with him and us playing, you know, tackle football and then we grew up in apartments sometimes you know because we moved around a lot we'd be in the Plano area just going outside and playing tackle football throw up tackle football with them she you know that's where I kind of grew the love of the game you know um you know uh shoot you know so it kind of molded me to be who I am because I was always around the older kids you know but I was the baby in a sense yeah when you when you speak on the game and your love for the game I I do I think that's beautiful to know where you get that from, because for me, I didn't know where I started liking basketball. It was just I saw the joy behind my parents and my brother's eyes, my, my brother, and my two sisters. I have two twins and my, I'm a twin. And I saw them watch Hakeem Olajuwon play. And I'm like, oh, just because they're so excited watching basketball, this sport, yeah. I'm like, OK. I kind of want to do that. It, it wasn't for anything of me. Like I didn't really love basketball for you to know like why and, and kind of similar way that I feel like that's cool. But specifically for this question, referring to you as a person and, and as yeah. a kid outside the game, because I think even me, 
thinking about it right now, a lot of athletes, we identify ourselves first. When everybody asks us these questions, we think about, okay, the basketball question or the football yeah. question. But I meant the Rico question. Like, who was that kid outside of sports? Okay, well, then that kid was the clumsy kid who always tripping over himself. Uh, the crybaby because I was the, you know, the baby at the time, um, you know, always loving, you know, that's one thing I do do. I love hard and I'm, you know, I'm kind of really, it's kind of weird or it's not weird, but as a male, I'm kind of in tune with my feelings on the emotional way, you know what I'm saying? So like you can kind of get, you know, my energy or see how I feel through my, you know, body language. You know, I usually always press up. Where do you think that comes from, though? Because as a man, I'm glad you kind of hesitated when you said weird, because now as we're growing, we're like, that's not weird. You're a father. It's like it's you have to express. But growing up, you're seeing different things. You're seeing the evidence of, okay, they're saying this when I go to school or they're saying this after practice or they're saying this. It's weird. But everybody feels it. You're just showing it. Where do you think that you get that from? Um, so like back when I was saying, I came from kind of like a split household. Um, and my mom had me and my brother when she was really young. So she had my brother at 13 and had me at 17. So my mom has two sisters and I grew up with, you know, my grandma and my mom and her sisters and my uncle, you know, when I, when my parents weren't, you know, together, cause they had kind of like an on and off relationship or whatever. So just being around, you know, so many women all the time, I guess you kind of picked up on that, you know, because, you know, women are really in tune to their emotions. They're going to let you know how they feel, you know. So I think that's kind of where I kind of got that from, just being around them and, you know, you know, just picking up those little traits from them. Yeah. What what was your parenting like? Because I I'm asking that and then I'm talking. I always do that. But like because it, it just thinks and it reminds me of my kind of story what you just said I was basically raised by my mom eight to 18 I was without my father he was in Nigeria he got his visa denied and being raised by a woman it is you get to learn certain things and I knew I use that trait now in relationships I think I could you know respond and and relate with women better than the next but for Mm -hmm. for your story and for my story I know I'll share mine that it did. There was a cost to that. I always was out or without my father at the games and never Mm -hmm. had the real male presence advice and those things in my life. And and I felt like I was grabbing and and needing that in other ways, whether it's women later in life and and, in those type of ways for your story. What what do you think is the cost of. Of being predominantly raised by your mom? Well, <laughs> see, mine is it's, it is it's, it's a different story, bro. My story is kind of, you know, um, so it's not the fact that my dad wasn't there, bro. My dad was there. Um, I think emotionally wise, though, he wasn't there for us at the time, you know, because I think, you know, as men, we grow up being taught, you know, like you're supposed to not show your not you're not supposed to be vulnerable. So I think as him being a young father. And in that time, it was he wasn't he never really tuned himself with his emotion. So he would come off differently when because, like I said, my parents were on an on and off relationship. So there would be times that my mom and dad were together, but it just wasn't the best thing for us because, you know, sometimes things could get heated and it was just different, you know. Um, And then like 
you know, so I, it's not like my dad wasn't there. I, I've lived with my dad before. I have respect for my dad and, you know, for everything that's happened in the past, you know, I, I'm, you know, I reconciled with both of my parents, you know, I think they were kids growing, you know, raising kids. So, you know, they made their mistakes, but I think I take that to as um, the aspect of just letting me know how I want to go about raising my kids. And I think it's more of a growing tool. It's not why this happened to me is what can I learn from it? So I think that's what more of it came from, from that um, sense, you know, and like, I, I won't hesitate on talking to my dad. Um, and I don't hesitate on talking to my mom. I know, I know they'll always be there for me. Um, you know, and they all, they're always in my corner. You know, sometimes I might not want to hear their input on things because, you know, we, we're different, you know, right. they think, they think of things different than me. And I think of things different. Um, for me, I think it was more of, um, I kind of wanted to be that the peace person who brings peace in it, you know, because sometimes things, tensions could get high and, you know, actions would be a little off, you know? So not saying that, like I said, my dad was there for me. He was, he, he wanted, he came to games, you know what I'm saying? He helped me with the football stuff. He put me in the right position, but my mom also did too. Um, it's just, like I said, my parents were young. My dad was 20, my mom 17. So it was like, you know, they didn't work out. So that's how I kind of went. You type stuff. No, nah, Rico, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think even just jumping in from the onset, you sharing that a lot of, a lot of men and, and myself, we don't openly just share it, share it. Part, yeah. part of me doing it is having a pod that forces me to, but I don't think we have a lot of times in our life where we can just share and talk to somebody about those things in childhood. You mentioned mm-hmm. something there, though, that I do want to pinpoint and, and zero in on. You, you use this phrase of peacemaker. And mm-hmm. when I think of peacemaker, I think, and you, you said it, tension. And for you to be the peacemaker, you had to come in and show a different side that ends the tension that was there. If you were to take me back, if you're behind the eyes of that kid, what was mm-hmm. the tension that you needed to bring peace to? Um, you know, sometimes it's like heated arguments. So, you know, the little, the verbal things, you know, um, as a kid. And then, you know, sometimes the situations might get, you know, physical, but, um, you know, I feel like, like I said, there were kids growing up fast, really fast because of the circumstances that they were. In. And then plus, plus both of them being African-American, it's like, all right, you know, it's like we're already pit behind the eight ball type thing, you know? And so it's just like them trying to figure it out as, you know, as it going and, and fast forward, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, uh, sometimes it'd be, you know, physical altercations or verbal altercations. And it was just like, all right, well, this is now seeing back on it. Like, all right, this isn't something that I don't want to have in my family yeah. as I, you know, parent. Yeah. When in your, in your sheet that I, I sent over to you, you, I, I said, describe one word that mentions your childhood. You, you mentioned stressful. And yeah. When I think of stress is what you just said, it's really external. Like you saw those things, so it it becomes stressful. But Mm -hmm. the internal stress, external is stress. Internal is a different story. The battle within. Yeah. What was that like at that age? Like because of what you saw, what did you tell yourself about what you saw and about what you can do from what you saw? Um, 
it was hard for me because like, okay, I went, so like I said, I moved, I kind of moved around a lot when we were younger. So I went to school in Plano, which is like a predominantly, you know, white area. And then McKinney, another predominantly white area. So like going to school and then seeing all of my friends and peers, you know, seeing from the outside looking in, because, you know, everybody does have their problems, but from the outside looking in, like these happy families where it's like none of these things. So sometimes it was like, dang, like, why can't my parents be like this? Like, why do my parents have to be the ones that, you know, tensions get really high with them or they're just really animated about certain things. So, um, shoot, it was hard, but it was like, also I had my brother, my brother also could, you know, you know, um, condole me, you know, to make sure that I knew everything was okay. And, um, also, you know, just my mom and, you know, my mom always was like, you know, you only have one mom and dad. So it's like, you got to respect them, even though sometimes the decisions might not be the best decisions. Were you always compliant <laughs> with that? Because I'm thinking of my story. I heard that I was, I was raised. And even when my dad was over there, he was still in my life, like actively yeah. on the phone. And I'd be like, bro, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. And I didn't get it. And my mom would be on me. Like I, like I was defiant and I did the wrong mm-hmm. things in school. I entered the gang and realized like, I am not on the, what y'all are on. Yeah. Like what, in your story, was there ever a time where you were defiant? Because I feel like, yeah, I'm a Nigerian and you live in your household and you're taught these values. Then you go out to school and you see the evidence that, oh, they doing it this way. They living like this. And then they talking about how I am. So who am I? There's a wrestle. That was my internal battle. Like, I'm like, who am I? What do I do? Let me act out. I didn't know who I was for you. Was there a moment of, of insecurity inside that made you act out? Um, I think, I think a little bit, um, I think some of the like decisions that I made in the past, looking back now and be like, man, that probably wasn't the best decision, but by the grace of God, you still where you are, you know what, what I'm were saying? some of those, <laughs> man, we used to, you know, he's indulging, you know, some leaves and stuff, but like do it really wildly. Like we go to high schools and jump into their, you know, football field and be in the middle of their football field at night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> walling. Um, yeah. But it's like, yeah, so some stuff like that. And then, you know, just, I, this is when I do remember. So, and my, my parents might not know about this, so, but I hope they don't hear. <laughs> so we had, so at my school, you know, you know, Jordy Har. Mm-hmm. So, our soccer, our women's soccer team, they were cold. They went to like, uh, they had a playoff game. So they, for the playoff game, they did like this thing where you could buy a ticket and you ride a, ride the bus out to Austin and you go to the game. So me and my homeboys, we bought tickets to go. But when our parents dropped us off, we all left the school. And so we all, but we were, we were like, okay, we going to go to the game, but we going to get loaded first. Yeah. <laughs> so... We drive into Austin, getting, you know, doing us. And then we pull up to the game and we see our principal there. And we're like, man, there's no way we can go into this game. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, all right, well, now we're in Austin. So we ended up going to some lame zoo and we're sitting <laughs> at the zoo. I'm like, bro, I should have just stayed in my butt in school and just went to the game. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, bro, I, I'm choking. No, but. <laughs> 
it's always funny looking back on those stories because it's like, bro, I was an idiot. I was tripping. No, but bro. you do need to go through some of that to grow and to become yeah. who you are now and to look back and be like, all right, like if I was to do it again, I would change this and then change that and change that yeah. because of who you've become saying that. And, and those decisions that you made that weren't the best and you still ended up how you are. When did you start locking in and when was the journey or if you were to walk me through your journey and picking up a football and taking it as a thing serious and running with it, what was that like? Um, so like for me, okay, I had this family that kind of helped me with the football thing because, you know, my parents didn't have as much money. So, uh, the, the posting family, they had, they basically got me and my brother into football, um, in the Plano area. And we started with the PSA and then, you know, kind of went through select football teams. So like football was a real thing for me. Like Texas, they take football serious, you know, <laughs> so it was like select football teams were like select football games where we're driving to Waco, we're driving, you know, Oak Cliff, like we, we traveling for football games and stuff like that. And then for me, it was kind of different because I, when I got to high school, that's when I was really in the Garland area. My brother went to Naaman Forest High School. He was a senior when I was a freshman. Um, so I went to middle school in Wiley, which is like 10, 15 minutes away. But um, I decided I was going to go to uh, Naaman Forest with my older brother so I could play football with him. Um, went there. They didn't let me play varsity. So I was playing on the freshman team. Um, it was cool. But then I transferred the next year in the same district. So. Uh, I couldn't play varsity again. So I, I was the sophomore playing on JV. Um, there's much, nothing wrong with it. So like I was kind of behind the eight ball on that little recruiting stuff wise, because, you know, I had, I was going to school with like Devin DuVernay, Donovan DuVernay, uh, Jared Maiden. So like, I'm like, these kids got Alabama offers, Texas, you know what I'm saying? They got every offer in the book. So it's like going there and kind of helped because like, they had scouts coming in and that's when I kind of got my shine on. Cause like shooting a spring ball, they come in to see Devin, but it's like, Oh wait, who's this dude making these plays? So it was like, that's really where I kind of, you know, got my little stuff going on. But, you know, I always had a love for football since like when I was younger, watching my brother play football and running around the house, you know, tackling each other from there. I always knew I wanted to play in the league and, uh, and on the higher stage of, you know, football you know, going to college and, you know, shoot, I used to, I used to tell my parents that I was going to go to Texas Tech when I was younger, but really what age? Bro, I remember my parents got me this Texas Tech hoodie. It was probably, I was probably like middle school, bro. I ain't going to fake middle school, bro. My parents, cause my, like my mom, like bought, you know, like she was, she kind of listened to me. So she knew those type of like gestures. So she like bought me a Texas tech hoodie and had the double T on it. And then going back, like when I started getting my offers, it was like, and then I chose to go to Texas tech. And I was like, dang, I really spoke that into, you know, existence, even though like, even when I was in high school, it was like, I didn't really remember that until like, I actually saw the hoodie that I had when I was in you know, middle school, elementary school. So it was like, dang. Bro, then, no, bro, you know what you just said? It made me think. What? This kid in, in Roach Middle School, he sees a hoodie that his mom got him. 
Texas Tech, you're like, uh, maybe nothing. And then you end up going to Texas Tech. I think it's the same thing that happened to me. I swear. I've never thought of it. Bro, there was this hoodie in my, like a hoodie. I guess Texas Tech used to mass produce hoodies or something. There's this Tech hoodie. And I'm like, double T in middle school. I swear I'm not just saying this. There was this hoodie that I'm just like, I, I just looked at the double T one day. I can't remember. Like, bro, this story, it wasn't like I wanted. My mom got it for me. It's like I saw it and I thought about it. And I put it off. And now I'm thinking in your story, if I'm behind your eyes, I'm like, that literally happened to me. That is crazy, bro. Yeah. I think it's something to be said about a love and picking up a sport and having that expression creatively. But you also have a different expression that you love in art itself. My idea, my thing in my head is, okay, if I love football and I love art, why and what was the journey like to choose a path in football? What was that like for you instead of zeroing in on your talents in art? Watching it on TV, it was kind of like, dang, this was kind of, yeah. And then also like the statistic of, you know, you're not going to make it unless you play sports or you're a rapper as a black kid. I mean, but it wasn't like subconsciously thinking this. It was like, I had a love for the game. And then the way that I grew my love for art was also, you know, just people around me. My uncle, he's a really great artist, you know, and my brother, he was really artistic too. And the reason why I kind of in tune with art was because I'm dyslexic. So like reading, it's not my, you know, strong suit. And so it was like for art, it was like, okay, I can still express how I feel, but not use any type of words. Um, and so, and, and it wasn't just like drawing. So for me, it was like, okay, in my freshman year in high school, I took theater arts. I really, and I really enjoyed that because it was another way I could express my, you know, emotions. And then I took theater tech. So it was always like, I always had a passion for art because it was just another way of expressing how I could feel or how I felt while having to actually write it down on a piece of paper or, you know what I'm saying? And I think for me, I'm like a really you know, um, I feel like I'm, what's the word? I feel like you can just take a lot from my body language type stuff. So you bro, I, bro, you have this kid, I was going to say it. You have this kid that is, he loves art, but he loves football and he's in tune with his emotions from an early age. So everyone that's in high school or when I was in high school, that mix didn't look like you. And and yeah. they were the kid that was laughed at and pointed at. And like, they didn't wear that for me. I'm yeah. like, in that age, I didn't want to show any of that. Cause I'm like, nah, I ain't, I ain't one of them. <laughs> like what's happening. Yeah. But when I go back home, I'm a person. So I am one of them. Like, yeah. so was, did you deal with any of that from your peers, your age? Cause I do believe like H age eight to 18, we're extremely impressionable. Like we go to school in adolescence and we do what the kids do because they think it's cool. So we do what they say in my story. I did the gang and I did all that stuff because they said it for you with art. Like, how did you have a stain of confidence and be like, no, this is what I like. This is what my family's doing. I think that's cool. Uh, I think for me, it was um, the aspect like, so I I ended up meeting a friend and, um, in my theater class when I went to Saxe, his name was Corey. Um, and shoot, he played on the basketball team and he really liked art and he liked rapping. And it was like, so we kind of clicked. But like, I, I feel that like people, there were people, you know, who, um, you know, try to like, because I was emotionally like, 
you could tell my emotion, people would try to say stuff. And then like, for me, it was like, I kind of was a new kid transferring into a different school. I mean, and now we're in high school. So now people, you know, some people like want to mess with you, but it's like, bro, I don't really have the time to be doing this because like, I was a big So it was like, so one time, so I got into some fights, but most of the time that like it happened, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I didn't get, in, I didn't fight in school. Cause I'm not, I wasn't stupid. I was like, bro, I'm not finna get in trouble. And then I had this thing that there was this, like, they told, at least this is what I thought. If you got in a fight in school, you getting a ticket. And I knew I wasn't going to get a ticket because my parents was going to ticket my ass. <laughs> you feel me? So it was like, all right, well, if we going to fight, we going to fight over there and we can handle it however we want to handle it. You know what I'm saying? But like, there was this one time this kid, I guess this kid had, he was just having a bad day. And I was with my friends and they, they were messing with him. And I, I, prom- I didn't even say anything to him. They was messing with him about it. He was like, bro, I'm not even in the mood today. He was like, and hey, you Rico. I'm like, he was like me. He called me out personally. I didn't say nothing to him. But I was like, I'm not gonna lie. I was one of those. He's like, wait, you talking to me? So it was like, all right, we can handle this if this is how you want to do it. So then we went in there and we, we handled it. And then like when I transferred, they was always like, all right, Rico, you kind of the new kid. So they all would make, make me slap box. And I was like, all right, bro, somebody going to get hurt trying to play with Did me. Did you now. win that fight? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Man, I did, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I feel bad, but I did bro bad because he had a bad day. Then he got whooped. And then so like, okay, I had braces. I had braces. He hit me one time, but when he hit me, my lip like stuck on my braces. And so it got like started bleeding. So he walking off and he was like, that's why I busted your lip. So I literally chased this man down, got on top of him and started beating him up some more and then took his shoes off his feet and threw them hugs. I was like, man, that's lucky. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bully for that. Bro, Rico, I swear, bro. When you speak on these stories, it takes me back. And I have the same similar story. C-Trade, if you're listening to this, he's a friend now. In middle school, well, I think I'm in ninth grade and I was big at the time. I hit him with an elbow on accident. So he just punches me in my in my jaw and he starts running the opposite end. And I'm like, oh, hell no, nah. you're not finna jump. He's one of those, like, he punched yeah. me and he started talking, like, backing up, chirping. I'm like, no. So I'm like charging towards him, get him. And I'm like, I grab him and he's like, oh, you scratched it. Long story short, like literally the same thing. I did bro bad after he was running. I just think those moments, they really take you back and they really make you understand like, okay, in that time where you're extremely impressionable, it's it's just to be yourself and to know the goals that you have and to stick on your path. And speaking of your path, you go on from that moment and you win defensive MVP your senior year, and then you go on to a Texas Tech. If you were to take me back and walk me through that journey to actually be there, like you said, you you saw it and you wanted to be at Tech, but like your first day at Tech, what was it like knowing that, wait, my mom bought me this back in the day. And yeah. now it, it's a real thing. Like, what was that journey like? Shoot, for me, it was like, man, I'm halfway there. Because like, basically for me, my goal was like, I got to take care of my family, you know, seeing, you know, the stuff that I did, you know, especially like the two parent household and then like seeing other kids with some things that, you know, you kind of want sometimes it's like, all right, well, I got to make sure that 
I do this the right way so I can take care of my family. My mom ain't got to worry about this stuff no more. Um, and then, but shoot, that first day with Rusty Wit had me thinking like, hold on, do I really want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> no, Rusty Wit used to get us right. But um, man, it was a blessing, you know, because it was also like sometimes I had a teacher who, in my school, you know, who told me I wasn't going to last in college. You know, I was going to be there for a little while. And it was like, bro, now looking back, it's like, man, I didn't just last in college. I graduated from college. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, I think sometimes I use that negative people like negative energy people try to use on me and speak in my life. And I try to use it as positivity or like motivation to be like, all right, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be the kid who goes to school for a month and then drops out and be like, I'm done. You know, it was like, all right, man, I can, I can really do this, you know? Yeah. And like what? Shoot. Bro, what makes a teacher, an instructor, fix her lips to say that about a kid? I, I never understood that. And for you to to battle the things that you've battled in your life. And then, mm -hmm. like you said, you're you're somebody with a, re, a disability of, oh, OK, I'm dyslexic in school. And now you got mm -hmm. your master's to look back yeah. like and you told me I wouldn't amount to nothing. Like, yeah. I, oh, I have a like I hate that in a story. But like, what do you think it was in her that made her even fix her lips to say that to you? That is a captain in doing things that you do like um for me i think he so okay he was he was another african-american male so i think it wasn't really as to pit me down i think it was for him to actually he was actually trying to motivate me but he ch chose his words wrong you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and then because he i'm not gonna lie i didn't you know sometimes i would take the shortcuts you know in school so i think he was also trying to push me and you know for me, it was like, okay, I always work harder for a coach who's hard on me. Cause you know, I, at the beginning when I played football, my dad was my coach. So my dad was hard on me. He was, you know, and then like practice wouldn't end at practice. Practice would take home. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was like, okay, I think he kind of, cause we had a relationship. Like I would come in his classroom, like after this, the fact I would come in his classroom during lunch period to, you know, get caught up on my work and stuff like that. But I think it was the fact that he knew that I will work harder just because he made that comment. Mm. And I don't think he actually meant it to demean me. I think he meant it as if, okay, if you continue to try to take the short route and try to take the easy way, it's not going to work out for you. You mm. don't have to actually pit your pit work in to get the things that you want to accomplish. So you use that hate and you fueled it to this career at Texas Tech and you came in freshman year. I think we all have the stories of, damn, like this weight coach, this strength is a little different at this level. Yeah. Like, do I actually <laughs> want to be here? But then yeah. you became captain and you started growing and excelling and you went through a coaching change and injuries and the things that you've fought. When I think of your story, when I think of that, I'm like. How does one get to that point? There's a developmental period. And when you're going to somewhere, like you mentioned halfway there, when you're on a journey and you're halfway to where you want to be, there's tension in that transitional period. Yeah. What was, I'm just thinking of this through, like what was your most challenging time at tech and how did you overcome it? Um, I think I had a few challenging moments at tech. Um, so I, I would say probably my freshman year, where um, I found out that I had a son back at home that was kind of challenging because it's like, okay, well, you know, 
I didn't quite beat the, you know, split household thing that I stigma that I wanted to be, you know, um, and then also being a young kid. Also now I have a son. So it's like, okay, shoot, it's not about me anymore. It's bigger than that. It's about my son. So this is the path that, or this is now I'm thinking that everything that I do, it's not for myself anymore. It's for him, you know what I'm saying? So that he can have a better life than what I had. And not saying that I had a rough life or, you know, a terrible life. I mean, I think I had stuff that helped mold me, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think that was kind of challenging because it's like, okay, now I'm six hours away from my son. Um, mm. And and I'm playing for this team. I'm a full-time student. I'm mm. also a full-time athlete. So um, I think at that time, though, I had some coaches who were really, you know, who would help me out with things. Like I would be able to talk to them with Coach Cliff and Coach Fab and david gibbs you know just being able to talk to them about some of the stuff that i was going through um so like sometimes i and then with that like that relationship not me and the parent me and my uh, co-parent our relationship not being the best you know i had to go to court for it um i tried to put myself on child support so i could make sure that i could have my visitation rights and then that was the whole thing. And then, so it was like, okay, now I'm at school. Um, I'm not really getting my rights to see my son because this, um, so it's like, okay, I got to really push through, make it to the league to try to be able to get my son back for me. Um, and then of course, for me, that kind of didn't really happen because I didn't make it to the league, but I'm still fighting for my son. And right now things for my son and my relationship to being rekindled are going really good. Um, and then uh, another time would probably be with... Wait, not to, not to cut that off. Bro. Bro, that... Yeah, bro. And, see, and this is the thing. So, like, I don't know, bro. I don't know. It feels like... It's, it's, really, it's a really sticky subject. And, like, we're, it's, it's like we're in court about this stuff right now to this day. So, um... For you to to go through all that and to battle through all that, and I'm listening. Thank you for sharing. But, bro, that is so tough and challenging. Like, bro, I'm a kid in college. I'm just trying to have fun and win games. And, yeah, we're trying to achieve and we did things. But there's other stories, bro. There's other stories like that in your story that people don't get to see and people don't understand. And you're carrying that. And when you carry all the weight that you have, you're doing it from back home. You're trying to shed stigmas. Now you have a son. Now you you can't see your son. Now you're fighting this, but you're still trying to put on. You're halfway there to your goals as a person. Aside from everything that you face, you're becoming a man. Now you got to learn that, oh, I got a character development because I got to become a different person for another body, a human that I have. That's mine, that I love, that I care for. You're becoming all this and doing that. You have to suppress, in my opinion, like I suppress, suppress, suppress. And now that you have to be on track with a detailed schedule, food, eat, sleep, go back, all this, go to class, graduate, you start losing that lack of that expression that you used to have through art. And you like and and for my story, I I do believe there's a moment where in Germany for me that I, I was a moment of suppressing my emotions and lack of expressing. I couldn't express my emotions. And that led to a depression in myself 
did those things like lead up to a breaking point for you? And and how did you get through it? It sounds like that's a breaking moment, but you were, you're striving, you're pushing pa- past it, but it's an open-ended question because I'm like, I, I don't know how I would have got through that. Um, I think for me, like, there were times that where it was like, I had my good days and I had my bad days, but it was like, also like, like you said, I was a captain on my team. So it was like, I really can't show anybody that I'm really having a bad day. Um, but we had, um, I don't know if you know her, the learning specialist, Miss Candace, um, she, she worked in the sharp. Sometimes bro, I'm telling you, I would just go in there and we not talking about nothing. I'm just sitting in there bawling, bro. Just crying because it was like, bro, it's like, and that's why I talked about like being weird. It was just hard. Cause you know, men are taught like, don't, you're not supposed to be vulnerable, but it's like holding all that stuff in, it can hurt you. And like, you know, like I think it, it makes you self-destruct um, um, because it's like, where do I escape to or what do I do? So I think for me in that time, I would escape with, you know, smoking for me. Um, I think that's kind of how I escaped at, at the time was, you know, just, just smoke because it was like, shoot, shoot, you know, it made me chill. It was like, all right, it take my mind off everything. So it was like that for me. Um, but now I think, and I've always said it like, God has a plan for me. And I think that's what it is now. And I think that's what it was even back then, even though I was trying to suppress it with other things. I think since, you know, growing up, I was, my, my grandma, she was always in the church. She always took us to church. I think the Christ that was, that's in me has always, you know, yearned to, you know, grow in my faith and, you know, continue to, you know, have that relationship with our father. So I think now, instead of suppressing with, you know, substances, I tried to, you know, get more into my word. And now that I see that, and it's not even now that I see that, it's just like, for me, since I've been diving more into my spirituality with God, I feel like things have been going way better than what they were. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you can think like, man, like this is challenging, but it's like, well, this stuff is actually molding me. With everything you spoke of and everything that you faced, finding God and finding that when you're in the office and you're in tears because of everything that you're facing and people expect you to just play, just play, just play. You had a bad game. Oh, they're saying this on Twitter or oh, they're doing this, but they don't know. And they don't actually understand that you're living a real man's life, like a life of someone that's been through a lot. What was the steps to find and hold on to your faith in that moment? Like, because I'm, I'm thinking if I'm someone with nowhere else to turn, like, why would I even turn to my spirituality? Why would I even go that measure? Like, what made you turn to that path? Um, I think really, I started, I really started diving more into it after, you know, leaving college. Um, but it wasn't like, I always would, you know, try to read my Bible verses or like the, just the daily Bible verses on their app and stuff. But it was like, that was just kind of like the surface level of it. And um, 
I think for me, it was just like, okay, at the end of my career, Kobe year, I tore my ACL. And like, I remember before going into that season, it was like, okay, I had tamed my team and I was like, hey man, like I'm leaving after this year. And then I tore my ACL at the end of the year. And it's like, well, shoot, I can't even go. You know what I'm saying? It was like, all right, I got to come back. I got to make sure I'm healthy. I can't go into the draft with the torn ACL. And then from that to, you know, not getting drafted, um, getting a, you know, a little rookie uh, mini camp invite. And it was like, you know, for me, it was like, man, I really don't know my identity because I've been investing so much into football. And it was kind of like I was, I was, you know, kind of lost in that aspect. Um, but I have a partner, um, my girlfriend, Kendall. She, you know, she's always encouraged me to read the word and my family has always too. So I think from after, you know, that where I was lost, you know, I kind of just started to, you know, dive into, you know, reading the Bible, just, you know, wanting to get a better understanding. And then like, you know, in college, I kind of didn't go to church as much as I was when I was back at home. So I was like, okay, well now I'm back at home. Let me find a good church home. I found a good church home. And it was just like, you know, I still have these things that are going on in my life. It was like, but as these things are going on, it's like God continues to open these doors for me. Like for me with this, um, with my son, um, I, I was getting, I was on my email or my, really I'm not gonna lie. My girlfriend was in my email. She was like, Hey, you have this petition. And so basically like the petition was, um, my other baby mom, she was trying to terminate my rights to my son for me to have with my son. And it was like crazy. Cause it's like, man, I've been reaching out to you for so long trying to get in contact with you about my son. And you just been denying me about it. And like, you didn't follow the court order in the beginning. And it was like, all right, but I'm so far away. It's like, I really can't do nothing. Or at least my simple mind, not knowing about how the court works. I didn't think that I could do anything. So then from there, it was like, okay, well, shoot. They're trying to take my rights away. So then I deny, I, I had um, someone who gave me um, legal guidance about, you know, denying it. So I denied the petition and I requested that they they would give me the address to my son and um, where he was going to school. So then after that, I get this, another email saying that I have a temporary restraining order against me. I'm like, okay, now that I asked to know where my son is, I have this temporary restraining order. And it's like, okay, you have, you, on, in 14 days, you have a hearing. It's like, oh shit, I don't have no money to pay for this hearing or no money to pay for a lawyer right now, but I have a hearing to, for people trying to take away my rights. So then I go up to the hearing, I ask for an extension, and then shoot, um, it was like, all right, you got 14 days. Or you're gonna, this temporary restraining order might be a restraining order against you and you might lose your son. So shoot, I started calling up, you know, basically everybody, you know, I called, um, you know, teammates that I played with, called Kirby, called uh, Matt, and, you know, just to see God use them as people to help me out in this situation. Um, and now, literally, 20 days ago, my son was going to be taken away from me. Now my son's about to start going to counseling because, you know, 
they'd been building this fabrication of his stepdad being his actual dad and telling him that that's that I wasn't his dad. But it was like when I was in college, 2020, the year 2020, bro, I bought a Texas Tech rep, replica helmet. I had every player on the team sign it. I had every coaching staff sign it or make write cards to my son for his birthday. I put it in a box and I sent it to him. I would countlessly call her, you know, do all this stuff. And it was like, you didn't want me in his life. And it's like, now you put me. She really like attacked my character and this like Alpha David talking about I had I really just wasn't trying to do anything. My son used to have tickets for the games, you know what I'm saying? So it was like I know I don't know. Just to just to see how God will use other people to help me or just how he's just been faithful, you know, even when I haven't been. Even when I turned my back away from him, he was still there for me when I came back to him. You know, and he still greets me with a, a warm hug and love. Thank you. you. Know? So it's like for sharing that. That's I, how I can know that I am speechless. The Lord is real. You know what I'm saying? Again, people battle things in life, but everything that you battled is is something I can't even imagine. I can't imagine going through. I can't imagine the what it might, must have felt like, and to. Everybody saw something in you to get involved and to pour in to, and to try to support. But for you to do that and go through that and feel that and to still be on the outside, the kid that I saw that was smiling with the dreads and the and the and just the septum ring and, and just the smiles that I saw, like to still be that person. It's it, I'm speechless, bro. It goes beyond anything that I've ever heard honestly and that I've showcased on this pod and I'm and I'm so glad that God placed something in you to to know that you can grow through what you've gone through because a lot of people that share this similar story would have done something totally different and would have been they would have been the example that other people be would be like, okay, you see, you see, you see what I thought you see, you see, like for you to be you and remain you. And man, it's what this whole pod Mm -hmm. is about, bro. It's man, I'm speechless. I, that's powerful. That's powerful. But Yeah. And at the beginning, it was like, for me, it was like, okay, I'm, cause I'm like real hesitant on expressing like the things that go on in my life. Because like, you know, I had had friends where I kind of expressed these type of things too. And then they sometimes like might use it to, you know, use it in a different way, you know, like kind of hold it over my head. But I think for me right now, like, I think it is something that I do need to express because I feel like it might help somebody else who is going through something that might be similar. Um, And so I really do hope that my story can encourage others um, and help uplift them to let them know, like, shoot, bro, you're not alone, man. You're going to make it through whatever. If you're speaking to a you in that time, if you're speaking to a Rico going through all that, you're not alone. At that time, like on the start, Obviously, you're going through a lot still in your life, but what would you say to that kid? 
when people say this is what I'll say, legit. When people say you acting like a female, bro, you not acting like a female, bro. You're in tune well, with your emotions. You should have side of your story Don't be afraid to know that you're be vulnerable and onwards looking up. And to know that God has placed you here in this time to to share and shed light on what you've been through and to know that somebody's listening that it will impact in such a way to one, help them with their journey, but two, help you. Because I, I know expressing as young men, it, it does a lot for us, whether we can see it in the moment or not. And even when, when I thought of you crying it with um, in the room, I was in tears when my, when I lost family at tech. And I remember moments where I'm just going to the, the room in Capstone Cottage is the front room where all my teammates are in there and I walk in and I'm crying with Kyler Edwards. Like, cause I'm mad. I lost my family members in it. They got hit by 18 wheeler and I'm crying I'm crying, but that's the only real reason or or time that I share and express that emotion. The other times I just, all right, let's go fight. Captain, captain, captain. You had that with your story. It's, it's powerful to have you to share all that because people don't get to see that. And they only remember the Rico on the field. Um, when you, when you think about your story and you said halfway to your dreams and halfway to where you want to become and where you want to go, if you were to think of your time at Texas Tech, referring back to on the field or as a man, what was left undone? Man, for me, you mean on the field or what? Or is this like, so I think honestly, like I can see there was like the culture and the guys now. It's, it, I feel like that stuff wasn't like, I don't think it just started. I think it was in the works, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like, all right, bro, let's not be okay with being losers. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm not saying that like any of the coaching staff were ever okay with that, but it's like, I think I could see that, the, you know, the mindset of players, you know, they, they're more intentional on how they go about their uh, day to day life of football, you know what I'm saying? So I, I can see that now just from watching it on the game or watching it on the TVs and, you know, even going to the game, going to the games last year. Um, for me, I think from my time, I always wanted to win that Big 12, bro. And I, I used to, and they used to think I was crazy, but it was like, bro, we can go to the Natty because think about it in the Big 12, if you win the Big 12, you're going to be in the conversation. Like, no matter what, you're going to be in the conversation. If you win, if you beat every team in the league, you're going to be in the conversation of making it to the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? So I used to be like, bro, we're going to, you know, the national championship. Now, did it happen? No. But I did, you know, we did uh, end up winning uh, a bowl game my senior year. So I feel like that was a big thing because, you know, there was a pretty big gap between us going to or winning a, a bowl game. So, um, I think that was a really uh, good way to leave um, tech and then to see what they did last year. And then I think still, even this year, they have, they have all the opportunities to win the big 12. And I think, shoot, they're going to shock some people. Um, what is it, what is it like though for you to, to see what they're at now and the love, the notoriety is a different place than where you, where you were at. 
and you shared a vision with people and they probably looked at you crazy and thought mm-hmm. of you crazy. And the ways that you tried to carry that vision out, you were, there was a lot of friction. You, me and you, we've had conversations about leadership and being a captain of our teams and mm-hmm. having that unique relationship with a coach and trying to get buy-in on certain things with mm-hmm. having a vision so big at that time mm-hmm. and having people that maybe don't see it yet, and you're lofted as a captain, you have a unique opportunity to even influence the coach on your big vision that he may or may not have. It's, it's funny as I try to pose this question, because with Chris Beard, our relationship wasn't always great. At first, when he came in, I was injured as, as well as you were your, your senior year. I was injured and he had me reading all these books to be a leader because I didn't know the scheme. So I couldn't teach him the scheme. I, I remember and, and heard from your story, like you were learning more so off the field when you were injured than on, like trying to teach and, and learn that way. What was that journey like? And what was the journey like being a leader and not physically playing? Like, how did you overcome that? Um, I think it was, you know, trying to get the younger guys to realize like, all right, this time here is, it might seem like it's long while you're in it, but then like when you get done, you're like, dang, it was really like quick. You know what I'm saying? Cause like looking back now, like me being a freshman was like yesterday, bro. And now, bro, (laughs) now I'm, I'm what two years removed from college. So it's like, that time is so brief and um it's really honestly like it's probably one of the best times in your life you're gonna make friends and stuff that you don't like those relationships are different because like you know as an athlete wise you know you go through so much like the blood sweat and tears you know practicing you know and then you know studying film and stuff like that so you make these relationships that are really just unbreakable so but for me i'm not being able to play it was kind of and being a leader, it was still showing because, you know, as a leader, it's not always about what you say. It's always it's also about how you conduct yourself. So for me, it was kind of, you know, making sure that all right, I'm hitting rehab full force, you know, and then I'm also still studying, even though I'm not playing. You know, I, I still have to know what I want, because for me, it was like, OK, I want to know. I want to think how my DC is going to think when it's not cutting time, when it's third and seven. And I want to see, you know, I want to think, be able to think like, all right, KP's thinking this because they came out in this formation. So let's be, you know, so that's what, what it was for me. It was more of, all right, how can I also grow my football IQ and also do it where my teammates or the young, young bulls see it so that they know that, all right, he's not just talking this, he's really actually intentional about it. And for me, it was like, also, I had people, you know, help me with that, like with Dakota and with Jordan, like Dakota was always watching film. Mm. Dakota might not be the biggest dude, the fastest dude, but bro was so knowledgeable in the game. So like when, when I saw him playing against Houston, jump up and pick off a ball, it's like, bro, he's watching film, you know, he's seen it so many times that, this is what this dude does. So it's like, it's natural now. And then even with Jordan, like me and Jordan would literally be at my crib watching film every week before every game. So like when we played against Oklahoma state, when he has three sacks and like 15 tackles, bro was studying it. So it's like, this isn't, I'm not, I'm not surprised because bro puts all this time into his craft and he takes it 
so serious. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, for now, I had these good mentors. How can I show the kids after me? Because like they, they used to say, you don't play for the kid or you don't play for you don't play for yourself. You play for the kids before you and after you. And you really now like thinking about it is like, okay, that's really what we did. You know, bro, not to cut you off. I have, I'm so curious and I go so many different ways in your story. You have a lot. Like I'm like, talk about his other kid and what he's doing now and graphic design and the team XFL. So I'm like, for me, I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about that of everything you are and what you just showcased because a lot of players, especially with male is in egos. You have Dakota Allen, went on to do things. People know his name, NFL and what he's doing now, all this stuff. And then you have Jordan Brooks, NFL, mm -hmm. all the stuff that he did at tech that, and then you have yourself, the same position, same position room. You learn from them and you're able to be humble enough and to actually sit there and listen and ask questions. There's a lot of people like, shit, he ain't better than me. Shit. He can't yeah. do what I can do. He ain't this. Like I looked at your Twitter. Cause I, I like to dive into dissect everybody. Bro, it's just retweets of other people's success. Retweets, retweets, showing love. I'm telling you, bro, and you know, there's a lot of players that don't do that because they feel like a threat. Like, it's a threat to me because he's doing what I want to do halfway there. Like, he he did it. He did it. I don't care if, like, we're friends. Like, he did it. Like, jealousy for you is you're so humble and you're so open to learn and to... Like that is honestly beautiful, bro. And it's rare. It, like a lot of players, like seriously, especially in a macho sport football, they're like, yeah. ah, shit, I can do it. I don't, that is powerful, bro. Appreciate it. Shoot. Well, you know, man, it's just because like, I feel like a lot of those guys gave back, like they didn't, for, for Dakota, he didn't have to. I was a freshman when he was coming back. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have to put any time into me. He chose and decided to do that. You know what I'm what saying? What do you think he saw in you? Shoot, I don't know what he saw in me. Because, you know, when I came in, I was fat. I was 250 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Ball kid. You know, so I don't, I don't know. Because, you know, and then on top of that, like the first time, so Dakota had called him like a practice on Saturday. And I was the only dude who showed up late. And so like... <laughs> He kind of got on me about it, but it was like, I don't know. I don't know, bro. But it was different because like when when um when I got back when I got to tech, they were renovating the locker room. So we were all in the stadium. And then it was like all the dudes who were already at tech, they were in the home locker room. And then like the newcomers were all in the uh, visiting locker room. So I think that's kind of where our relationship kind of grew because like it was just like, what, probably 12 of us in there and, you know, shoot, just, and then we were in the same position group. And then I also, I was shy at the beginning. I didn't mm -hmm. want to, you know, like we had these like dinners that they would have and it'd be like everybody sitting down. I was just like, I was kind of nervous because it was like, when I went to school, it was like, all right, I've been around these dudes now for a long time. So it's like, I'm not shy but it's like bro i'm around grown men like because think about it i was 18 and dakota was probably 20 21 I'm like bro these are grown-ups <laughs> like, they're really grown-ups you know so it was like kind of like man i don't want to say something and everybody be looking at me like all crazy because like shoot they grown-ups to me but um shoot he ended up just taking out taking on you know putting me under the wing as that shy kid and then 
shit, just the relationships that I grew in. And it's like, it's not just with him or with them. Like, bro, I still like brain stringer, transfer dude. We still have a great relationship. I still talk to, you know, CT sometimes, Jamil, you know, like those guys that they kind of help make me feel comfortable, you know, because they knew that I wasn't talking because I felt out of place or I was like young. So they they would try to have conversations with me and try to bring me out of that shell. So then where when I did get that, you know, captain aspect, I kind of flourished because those guys helped, you know, bring me out of being the shy kid who didn't want to, you know, mess up or, you know, and then also I think for me, it was like, I had a goal of, like I said, taking care of my family. So it was like, all right, bro, I'm going to college for three years. That was, that was what it was. It's like three years. Cause that's when I'm drive eligible and I'm gone. So it was like, when I would go to practice, I was trying to go head hunting, you know? And then on top of that, like, Tech wasn't really known for defense at the time. So it was like, man, I'm going 100 miles per hour, no matter what, walkthroughs, all of that. So I think that's also another thing. They saw that I was really, like, always on go. And sometimes they would be like, bro, chill out. Like, you know, like, chill out. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I think that might be what what they saw. Because it was like, man, this kid is smacking people in walkthroughs. Right. <laughs> No, it does take a, a different level of intention and intensity to get to to the professional level. But everything that you were at Tech, and if you're looking on to the future, you said that your goal is to be an NFL player right now. You're in the XFL with the San Antonio Brahmas. How you say it? Is that how you say yeah, it? Yes, San Antonio Brahmas. Yes, sir. With, your, with the San Antonio Brahmas. And I think TJ Vasher is also there with you. Correct. You just finished your first season and you're growing and becoming this same number 40 on the field. <laughs> what do you think for your dream of being an NFL player and also your dream in life as a person to raise your family, to have a, a full, like to take care of them in the ways that you want to, what has to take place in your life for you to see that dream come true? Uh, I think for me, it just be being like intentional about everything and being consistent. Um, I think that's what it really is. Just, and it's not just about the sports. It's like being consistent in everything that I do in life. So like, all right, wake up, let's make my bed. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's so a little things that really, you know, actually that's where I feel like the little things are why people make it to the NFL because like, all right, they take, this so serious, even though it might be something microscopic to you, it's something big to them and they're very consistent on it. So I think that's what it is. It's just the consistency of how I go about life. And um, I think if I could stay, if I could stay consistent in what I do, I think I will be able to achieve my goals. And for me, like now, like, now that I'm kind of like removed or not really, because I still play football, but it's like, all right, the NFL, I'm, I would still love to play in the NFL. That's cool. But that's not going to define who I am. You know what I'm saying? I think now me being a little bit older, I feel like I've grown maturity wise. And it's like, okay, football is not defining who I am. I, I've had a great career playing football. So if I don't, if I'm not able to play another down of football, I'm not, I'm not going to sit and cry about it. I'm not going to lie. I have two beautiful children that I want to 
grow up and be able to conquer whatever and do whatever they want. So I think for me now, my goal is to be able to raise them up in faith and in the Bible so that they can do whatever God has planted them here to do. Um, so I think that's my whole aspect of life has really kind of changed, bro. And it's like, that's why I said earlier, like when it wasn't, I wouldn't change it, bro. Cause it's like going through these things. It's like at the time I would think like, why me? But now I think back and it's like, dang, like if that didn't happen to me, I wouldn't be who I am now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, now that I went through these things, I can, even my brothers and my cousins and stuff like that, I can, you know, enlighten them on these things so that they don't have to struggle with the same things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's way bigger than, you know, the sports, because like I used to say to my teammates, like, bro, at the end of the day, bro, football and basketball, bro, them balls going to deflate, bro. Like it's going to be over. You're going to have to sit it down. So it's like now me knowing myself better, I feel like I've grown. Like I said, knowing myself better, I know who I am. You know, I, I know, I, I, I value myself differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So, shoot, you know, the football thing. I still would love to do that, but if if it doesn't go, hey man, I'm not gonna cry about it, bro. I, I am a very, what, creative person. So I have, you know, there's other things that if God willing says that's the right way for me to go. I know that I can be successful in it and do things because shoot, I've already beat the statistics and all these other things. So it's like, it ain't nothing. It ain't, it ain't nothing. Well, bro, man, I really appreciate you spending time and, and being on this podcast. I always ask my guests the last question, overcoming the mind bully, overcoming your negative voice, like the practical steps to overcome that negative voice in your head that says, okay, I'm in this battle and a custody battle. Like, I don't know what to do. Like you should just fold. You should act out on your emotions. You should behave a certain way towards people that are trying to help you. Or that voice that says, Oh, you should just quit. Like, why do I pour into my teammates when I'm hurt? Like the voice that's in your head when it's you versus you, what are the practical steps that Rico does to overcome your mind bullet? Um, for me, like I can get into drought. So I think that's also the people around you, who you have around you, because, you know, they say birds of a feather flock together. So, um, it's all, it's a really key thing about the people you have surrounding you. Cause you know, there's sometimes where you might face yourself and you might think like, all right, you know, uh, but like having people who can reassure you of who you are and the, the, the thing that you have inside of you it can really help. And so I think my support base and support group that I have, my friends, family, and just loved ones, you know, they always can encourage me when they see that I am down. And um, I think that's really a big thing. And then another thing is just, shoot, my faith. Um, Shoot, just knowing that like, there's things that happened in my life where, you know, I, I shouldn't be where I am but I am where I am. So it's like, there's God working on my side. So it's like knowing and having faith and knowing that he's always working, even when I might not see it, that's the difference. So it's just, well, I don't know. Ah, Beautiful, bro. But well, 
Thank you so much for being on this podcast. I would ask you no questions for hours and have conversations because, <laughs> man, you you brought so much out of me and just thinking. I'm like, bro, like I gotta, I want to share with this. Like this is, I want to know more about this person. I think people need to know about this person and, and people. There's a lot of tech fans that listen, and I hope and I really hope like somebody pours out and reaches out to you because bro, this was so impactful to me. So for me to you, I really appreciate you being on the Mind Believe podcast. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Sweet time, gang. Man, hey, salutes to you, man, for actually like stepping up and, you know, you know, doing this, bro, because I know there's somebody who's out there who has that dream and then you just doing it, you know what I'm saying? Like, who's afraid to do it and you stepping up and doing it, bro. I, I salute you, bro. And I, I hope many blessings continue to pour into your life, bro. Love, bro. Thank so. you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Mind Billy Podcast. If you like what you heard, anything at all, do me one favor, rate and review this podcast. I guess that's two. It helps the algorithm. Many homes, hearts, and people can hear and see what we're doing here together. Till the next one, peace. And hey, Genix, you going off?